Information provided by Wall Street Penning Zoo is for educational purposes only and not intended to be financial advice. Please consult with a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome back to the Wall Street Petting Zoo, your favorite and most educational finance podcast on the entire internet. I am your co-host, Christopher Smith. And I'm your more favorite co-host, Robert Coburn. Signs seem to point to continued stock market strength. We've started the fourth quarter earnings season. So far, more companies than the average are beating analyst estimates for earnings and sales. And analysts are also continually increasing their earnings estimates for the rest of the year. So it's looking like it'll it will be a really good quarter and probably a really good year for corporate earnings. The average earnings per share expectation for 2021 is $172, which would be the highest earnings on record for the S&P 500, which is pretty incredible in a, rece- in a recession. Particularly strong so far this earnings season are results from the healthcare, consumer staples, and materials sectors. And the vaccine rollout has been going quite well The U.S. is a world leader in percentage of population vaccinated, and COVID-19 is declining in 46 of the 50 U.S. states. Corporate buybacks have been picking up and are nearly back to 2019 levels. Strategists surveyed by Bloomberg have established an average year-end target of over 4,000 for the S&P 500, compared to the index's current price of about 3,850. Yeah, in fact, the low-end estimate, Robert, was 3,800. So even the most pessimistic analysts on Wall Street right now are expecting the stock market to end the year pretty close to its current price. Yeah, I think there are a lot of reasons to be really optimistic on the economy right now, Robert. Um, And in addition to uh, those sectors that you named that are doing really, really well in their earnings results, We've also got some really good data this week from the U.S. housing sector. Of course, the housing sector has been hot, hot, hot pretty much throughout the entire year of 2020. But uh, just this week, housing starts and building permits numbers both beat analyst expectations, and they increased about 2% month over month in January over December. So these data are now at their highest levels since 2006. And now that eviction bans have been extended through March, I think that housing stocks have a little bit of room to breathe. They've been uh, trading at a discount despite the strong housing market because I think a lot of um, traders are expecting the housing market to kind of crash back down after the eviction bans expire. But with the extension of those eviction bans through March and potentially we'll see another uh, extension of those eviction bans as late as September, I think that uh, housing stocks are going to go on probably a little bit of a run now. Uh, This week, I have been holding a fairly large stake in KB Home, and I made about 10% on KB Home this week. It went on an absolute tear after its earnings report, had some really, really good earnings results. And um, in addition to the housing market, we've also seen a lot of strength in the small cap and value stock sectors. They're looking really good compared to some of the mega cap companies like Facebook and Apple. I think that uh, we've been in about a 10-year cycle of growth companies outperforming value companies. And now we're seeing maybe the end of that cycle and we're seeing the beginning of a new cycle where small caps and value stocks may outperform for the next 10 years or so. 
So we've seen a lot of traders repositioning into those value and small cap uh, funds. Yeah, I do think there are some bearish signs out there. With the daily sentiment index is very close to a level that's been a consistent top for the last three years. Insider selling has also been at an extreme high, which suggests, suggests that corporate insiders don't think the outlook is very good. There's a possibility of perhaps a 10% correction from here, but honestly, I don't think it will happen yet. Yeah, we'd, we'd probably want some kind of negative catalyst to see a significant correction like that. But definitely valuations are looking pretty stressed right now. Um, the UK remains under a national lockdown right now due to the new variant of COVID-19 that has been spreading there. That variant apparently is about 70% more contagious than the original strain, which is why the UK is uh, acting so strongly to try to control the spread of that variant. And Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the UK, announced this week that that strain may be more deadly than the original strain as well. Although my medical science friends tell me that the death rate so far is within the random variants, and so there's no statistical reason yet to think that that variant is more deadly. So um, not necessarily a cause for concern yet, but certainly the contagiousness of that strain is concerning. Anyway, the lockdowns are having an impact on the British economy, as evident in numbers released this week. Uh, these are PMI numbers. That's the Purchasing Managers Index. It's basically a measure of um, the people who buy supplies, who manage the supply chains for private companies. They survey those people and see sort of how they're positioning their companies and what their expectations are for sales in the coming months. And in this week's release, those numbers in that survey absolutely plunged. The, the expectations of those purchasing managers are down something like 20% in January versus December. So really a lot of pessimism out there in the UK economy as a result of these lockdowns. I expect that UK stocks will sell off a little bit as a result of this, and that may offer a buying opportunity moving forward. UK stocks have already been fairly beaten down compared to US stocks because of Brexit for the last two or three years. The UK has been under the sort of shadow of the, the threat of a no-deal Brexit. Brexit is now has, has basically happened now. Um, there are definitely problems because, you know, no, a no-deal Brexit basically uh, means that they're going to have a lot of supply chain issues, a lot of trade tariffs and stuff like that for the next few months as they figure all of this out. I think that probably things will improve from here as people realize what a bad thing it was for the UK to exit the European Union without uh, striking a deal on trade. They'll probably start hammering out some trade deals pretty quickly as people experience the pain from this. Um, so I think probably the UK stocks will begin to recover from here as they figure out what's going on with uh, trade negotiations with the European Union. Um, it will take probably a few months, but now might be a time to start looking for a buying opportunity as those stocks dip in the next couple months here. AP News reported massive blackouts in Iran, leaving people without electricity. Officials originally stated this was due to high home energy usage due to the pandemic. However, after reports of state-sanctioned Bitcoin farms still being online during the outages, Officials started pointing the finger at Bitcoin, with some speculating that they are just using Bitcoin as a scapegoat in lieu of mismanagement of their energy grid. 
Uh, I know you aren't big on Bitcoin, Chris, in general, and high energy usage just compounds your reasoning for not supporting the currency. Uh, Bitcoin miners exploit the regions of the world where energy costs are at their lowest, and unfortunately those places tend to run on fossil fuels, which as we, well, as we all know is bad for the environment. Uh, with Bitcoin prices skyrocketing in the last couple of months, miners are clamoring to turn up as much Bitcoin farms as they can. Yeah, unfortunately, I think Bitcoin just is not very green because of the extremely high energy usage. And I don't see how you scale Bitcoin to where it could be, you know, a large scale payment platform, um, given the incredible energy demands. And I think also if you were to try to scale Bitcoin, not only would you have environmental consequences from all of the carbon release, but you would have probably the transaction costs would soar because I just don't think that the, the base of miners is there to support that level of transaction activity. And I'm not sure that the base of miners can be scaled up <laughs> to the degree that you would need to scale it up, um, given the energy demands. And let's forget mega million. Let's talk mega billion. According to Business Insider, many Wall Street analysts are expecting Apple to report their first $100 billion revenue quarter with some estimates being as high as $110 billion. Apple's highest ever quarter was $91 billion set in Q4 of 2019, and this would be a near 20% improvement. After cashing out a lot of my stock late last year, I put a percentage of my portfolio into Apple, with many analysts are expecting the sale of the iPhone 12 to be the main reason for such a record quarter, and Apple will report their earnings on Wednesday after the close. A 20% gain over their best quarter ever is pretty incredible. You have done quite well, Robert, buying uh, winners, buying stocks that have done pretty well historically and that you expect to continue doing well in the future. That's been a very successful strategy for you. My strategy tends to be kind of the opposite. I buy stocks that are incredibly beaten down that I hope will <laughs> turn around at some point in the near future. Um, I've done fairly well in that as well. Those are just different uh, investing styles, I think. The one that I am watching is IBM. IBM is a, a seriously beaten down stock. This stock has declined for almost 10 years due to poor revenue growth. Uh, revenue has stayed roughly steady for the last four years or so, and a steady earnings decline. Um, however, the company's finances are actually, I think, a lot stronger than they look on the surface. Um, a lot of investors look at EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, uh, depreciation, and amortization. It's an accounting, uh, an accounting tool. And um, when you look at IBM and EBITDA terms, it looks like the, the earnings have been shrinking for the last four years. But when you look at cash flow, which is kind of a different way of measuring uh, earnings, it actually has been a cash flow machine and cash flow has been growing for the last four years. So, you know, depending which like accounting principles you uh, adopt, I think that IBM looks a little bit different. Um, I prefer the cash flow measure. And I think actually when you look at IBM's finances, it looks very financially healthy. They're paying down billions of dollars of debt this year. They're going to shrink their debt from like 80 billion to 50 billion this year. So really significant progress on their financial health. Right now, IBM is incredibly cheap. It's trading at about 10 and a half forward PE. The typical PE for the market is 15. So even in sort of typical terms, um, 
IBM is trading cheap relative to the market. When you look at tech stocks, it looks even cheaper because, of course, tech stocks tend to be a lot more expensive. Um, Microsoft, which is what IBM is trying to kind of model itself on, is um, like three times the price of IBM in terms of earnings. And it's like eight times the price of IBM when you look at sales. So IBM looks very cheap. Um, and the reason it's so cheap is because it hasn't been growing. Investors are expecting it to continue uh, to shrink its earnings to continue to fall over time. But um, IBM has a plan to turn things around. They've got a new CEO. They've been doing a lot of restructuring. Uh, they're trying to refocus their company on cloud computing and AI, move away from the struggling hardware and financial services businesses. Uh, IBM tanked this week after its earnings report because earn, uh, earnings and sales were both down year over year, although the earnings beat analyst expectations. Um, so I think that now might be a good opportunity to buy while the stock is at a low. I think over the next 12 months, IBM is going to complete that transition that the CEO has been working on. And um, if they can successfully complete that transition, then I would expect this stock to soar over the next 12 months. Plus, uh, the main reason that I really like IBM is because you're buying an incredible amount of cutting-edge technology. For the past 27 years, IBM has filed more patents than any other company by a huge margin. They're a world leader in AI and quantum computing. Uh, they haven't done a great job of monetizing those technologies, but if they can figure that out, I think the sky is the limit for IBM. So my play basically is to buy IBM somewhere in the $100 to $120 range and then hold it for a decade. All right, folks, that's our show for the week. Thanks so much for listening. We don't do any advertising for the show, so if you can uh, give us a like, share, or comment on your favorite social media platform, that would be great. You can find the podcast on uh, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, YouTube. Go and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. That would really help us uh, attract more listeners as well. Again, we really appreciate your support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you back at the zoo next week. See ya.